Welcome. Come in. Join me by the fire, won't you? Yes, have a seat in that comfy chair. I have many stories to share. Here, on the fear of the fire. <laughs> It's a little game many people play on a train or a bus. You look at a complete stranger seated across the aisle. Your mind begins to speculate. Who is he or she? And you go through the standard answers. Rich person, poor person, beggar person, thief, doctor, lawyer, Indian, chief. It's a harmless diversion and it passes a time. But is it possible to look at someone's face and say, murderer? And be right. Our mystery drama, A Quiet Evening at Home, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Tammy Grimes. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. This Christmas, True Value Hardware Stores offer convertibles for people who don't know how to drive. Hi, Pat Summerall here to explain. Right now, your nearby True Value Hardware store features a selection of convertible West Point bicycles designed specifically for kids who can't ride bikes yet. These quality West Point beginner's bikes feature a removable center bar that detaches in minutes so both boys and girls can ride them. They have reflectorized pedals, dependable coaster brakes, removable training wheels, and touring handlebars. And these West Point convertible bicycles from your nearby True Value Hardware store come in both 16 and 20-inch sizes to suit almost any size beginner. This Christmas, give a kid his first convertible, a convertible West Point bicycle. They're just part of the complete selection of West Point bikes you'll find at participating True Value hardware stores. True Value, more than just a name, it's their way of doing business. And tell them Pat Summerall sent you. Alicia Merriweather, or as she is listed in the society columns, Mrs. Albert Emmons Merriweather III, is having breakfast in her luxurious penthouse apartment in an eastern city. Her maid has the day off, and her cook is on vacation. And so Mrs. Merriweather is quite alone, and has been compelled to brew her own coffee and burn her own toast, even as you and I. But Mrs. Merriweather doesn't mind. She's a good sport. And not bad-looking, either. As a matter of... Oh, there goes the telephone. And she'll have to answer it herself. Hello? My dear? Yes? Oh, I was so alarmed. Alarmed? Why, Albert, dear? Well, the session broke up rather late last night, and I returned to the hotel, and I telephoned you. And the phone rang and rang without an answer. I couldn't imagine where you might be. I was here. I'd gone to sleep early. Ah, well, that's that's what I thought. Just a nice, quiet evening at home. I do hope you aren't bored. Oh, I loved it. How was the convention? Oh, it's rather a drag. Well, 
try to have a good time. Uh, darling, I, uh, I may be compelled to remain here the rest of the week. I'm sorry. Just be a dear and get everything done and hurry home. Well, I have to say goodbye. It's time for my speech. I know you'll bring them shouting to their feet. Well, I'll get through it somehow. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye, dearest. Yes. Such a dear little man. Not just adoring. Really adoring. Hello? Dearest. Alicia. Yes, it's your darling Alicia. Have you forgotten last night? Last night, but they could, you shouldn't call me here. She'd have answered out of hung up. Oh, that can be just as suspicious. Is she home? No, no, fortunately, she has a golf date. Then you can tell me you love me. I love you, Alicia. Even a train announcer puts more passion into his voice than that. I love you, darling. And I love you, Bruce. Oh, how I love you. It's, it's only 10 o'clock. Is something wrong? Yes. It's wrong that I have to wait two whole hours before I can see you. Ah, uh, well, those two hours will pass before you know it. You sound so cool, so sure of me. Darling, I'll see you at Marvetti's at noon. Ruth, it's possible that we might be seen together in Marvetti's. It's possible, but it'll look as if we merely ran into each other. All right. And besides, by this time tomorrow, will it matter what people think? Alicia. Sit down, Bruce. I've already ordered your drink. Oh, and without ice. I see you remembered. I have so much to learn about you and so much to remember. Uh, are, you, are, are you sure you want to go through with this? Yes. And you? Well, you know, when you think of how short life really is, can you waste even a moment without the one you love? Have you really thought about it? What's to think about? She's a very wealthy woman. Well, your Albert's a very wealthy man. You have no money of your own. <laughs> Neither do you. Yes, but... Are you trying to talk me out of it? Oh, no. It's just that you've become used to... to the ease, the luxury of life with her. Well, I'll tell you what you can never get used to. The knowing glances and the self-righteous smirking of people who consider you a... kept man. Bruce. Yeah, yeah, you marry a woman who's ten years older and wealthy and what's the world supposed to believe. And, and, and it's true. I married her for her money, for her position, and uh, for her influence. Surely you must have loved her a little bit. Well, I loved her as uh, much as you loved Albert Emmons Merriweather III. I tried to love Albert. I'm trying to be a good wife to him. But I just can't live this kind of lie any longer. Neither can I. Oh, darling, it's wonderful that we found each other and fell in love. And we can save each other. You won't be sorry. I'll be with you. How? How could I be sorry? Neither of us have any money of our own. Well, I have a degree in engineering. You know, I can get a job. I, I can even teach in high school. Math. <laughs> what? Well, what's funny? Oh, you are Bruce Tyler, former millionaire sportsman teaching mathematics. And I can see you in a ready-made corduroy jacket with leather patches on the elbows. Patches I myself sewed on. And, oh, and that beautiful socialite, Mrs. Albert Emmons Merriweather, living in some dusty suburb, doing her own laundry. But I won't be Mrs. Merriweather. I'll be Mrs. Bruce Tyler. Uh, 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 let's finish lunch. Yeah, there's a lot to do. And we'll each take one suitcase. And meet at the station and catch the 10.30. Well, no, no that, that's rather late now that I think of it. I mean, for you to go to the station alone. I'm not afraid. Well, well I'll get there early. You know, still, we could drive to New York. No, your first instinct was right. 
If you took a car, it would be her car. That's each leave with nothing that belongs to them. Darling, you won't be sorry. How can I be sorry? I'll have you. Will you be sorry? Never. This is the happiest day of my life. I'm uh, sorry I'm not Bruce. Oh, excuse me. No, 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 no. It's quite all right. I uh, I was expecting to meet someone here. <laughs> Bruce. Yes. Uh, which train are you making? The 10.30 to New York. I think I'm a bit early. Uh, well, I'm uh, early myself. I'm catching the 10.35. I'm going the other way to Washington. It's uh, rather deserted here in the station. Yeah, yeah, in the old days, this railroad station was a busy, bustling place at all hours. <laughs> You seem rather young to remember the old days. I remember some of them. So, where's Bruce? Oh, he'll be here. <laughs> no sign of him. He has to be here. Uh, I don't see anybody come up the street either. What time is it? I, uh, I have 10.25. He'll be here any minute. <laughs> so will the train. Are you sure it's 10.25? Well, not anymore. In about 35 seconds, it'll be 10.26. I... Something the matter? He has to be here. He promised. Well, he, <clears throat> he still has a few minutes. What are you grinning at? I'm sorry. Middle-aged romance should be touching rather than humorous. What are you talking about? Are uh, you and Bruce, whoever he is, running away? I'm sure that's not your affair. Oh, of course, it's your affair. Somehow, and don't ask me why, I feel that Bruce is not worthy. I'll thank you to mind your own business. Well, here comes the train. Hands on time. But where's Bruce? He's... He'll be here. Bruce. What? Please. Please, conductor, hold the train. Someone's coming. He, he'll be here. He promised he'd be here. What? Please, wait. Well? He's not here. Well, the evening doesn't have to be a total loss. How would you like to go to Washington? He isn't here. I can promise you an exciting weekend you'll never forget. Is it? A telephone? Does it matter? The train's leaving. Yes. I see one. Just up ahead, a booth. Well, I never did like Bruce. Something must have happened. He's ill. I must call. Yeah, hurry. The Washington train will be here in five minutes. Sir, I am not going to Washington with you. Well, you don't have to get angry. Besides, these things happen for the best, you know. Please, excuse me. can I help? I I don't have any change. <laughs> you simply weren't prepared for anything. Now, the next time... Do you, you have a dime? Yeah, sure, of course. Here you are. Thank you. Oh, I wonder what he'll have to say for himself. Poor fella. Lost his nerve at the last minute, I'll wager. Don't tell me. I'll bet his wife answered. You're so smart. You think you know everything. Well, you know, these are familiar dramas. Well, now, we have three minutes and 30 seconds before the Washington train gets in, so why don't you... Why... Why don't you get out of here? What? Get out of here. That's a gun. You got a gun. You're holding a gun. There is going to be trouble. Well, what are you saying? You'll have to run for it. What are you talking about? Who is that? He's shooting at us. Who? Quick. Get on the other side of the billboards and now run. 
run toward the other end of the platform. Why? That's why. Now, if there's only one of them, I got a chance. Now, run. But you'll be killed. Does that mean you have to be killed, too? I'm, I'm frightened. You don't have time for that. He's working his way in. Why does anyone want to kill you? Run as fast as you can down to the end of the platform. That man. He just stuck behind a post. A short, small man. Do what I tell you. Run to the end of the platform, down the stairs, into the street, and around the corner. Get going. I'm scared. Run. Run. Taxi. Taxi. Take me. Take me to uh, 17 Rossville Circle. And hurry. Hurry, please. standing there? Is that why? I'm sorry. There's no one here by that name. Bruce! And are you all right this morning, my dear Estelicia? Yes, Albert, dear. Yes. Just fine. Did you do anything last night, darling? Did I do anything last night? Uh, no. I just stayed at home and went to bed early. Just a quiet evening at home. Now, dear, you should get out and have some fun, some excitement. That's all right, dear. I, uh, I don't miss it. Now, dear, I must hang up now. We have a breakfast meeting. I'll be home at the end of the week. Goodbye, Albert. Henrietta, get the door, will you, please? Damn, that's right. I gave you the time off. Just a minute. Yes? Good morning. I'm Detective Lieutenant Berger. Homicide. Oh? My credentials. I see. May I come in? Thank you. May I ask the purpose of this visit, Lieutenant? I must ask you to come to police headquarters. Police headquarters? Why? What for? There's been a murder. How? How does that concern me? Well, at the very least, you're a material witness. That's... Impossible. You might even be an accessory. But it's ridiculous. I'm required to tell you that anything you say may be used against you. Material witness. Accessory. What's this? We were there. All she wanted to do was run away with her lover. Evidently, that can turn out to be a hazardous pastime. And in this case, it doesn't become very much safer in Act Two, which I shall bring you in just a few moments. Good news from Dr. Atkins. His new weight loss diet banishes hunger and brings on what he calls super energy. Dr. Atkins' diet appears for the first time in the current Family Circle magazine, even before publication of the book. Here's a most undiet-like way to lose weight. You eat all you want of staples such as meats, fish, salads, cheeses. There's no fatigue, but rather that extra energy. You take off a steady five pounds a week as your system switches to a low-carbohydrate intake. Once the pounds are gone, find the carbohydrate level that's best for you and maintain it. A diet worth keeping for keeps. Family Circle also has a set of easy spot exercises. Easy because you do them all sitting down. As a special bonus, there's an iron-on transfer bound right into the January family circle so you can make that fun King Kong t-shirt modeled on the cover. The issue is now at your supermarket checkout counter. This is Jack Sterling for Family Circle, the world's largest selling woman's magazine. What's for dinner? Has an old 
Save you time during this busy holiday season, ShopRite is featuring quick, easy, and satisfying meals. Fresh, lean ground chuck, good so many ways, just 79 cents a pound. ShopRite hamburger rolls, 10-ounce packages, three for a dollar. ShopRite king-size beef franks, another year-round favorite, 89 cents for a one-pound package. ShopRite mixers, 28-ounce bottles, five for 99. And all your holiday needs, too. Toys, trimmings, and wrappings, Shop ShopRite, the holiday place. When you're out shopping, take time out for a delicious glass of 100% orange juice from Florida. This is Anita Bryant for the Florida Orange Growers. Orange juice is a refreshing, natural, midday pick-me-up. Its natural sugars are sure to give you a lot of the energy you need to get through the afternoon. Orange juice, it isn't just for breakfast anymore. Orange juice, it isn't just for breakfast anymore. Life is filled with little surprises. All that Alicia Merriweather wanted to do was run away with Bruce Pennington. They were to meet at the railway station late last night. Well, train time came, but Bruce failed to appear. Another gentleman, however, did show up, but he was murdered. And now, a police detective is saying to Mrs. Merriweather, Mrs. Merriweather? At about 10.30 last night, a man named Cleveland Rogers was shot to death at the Northside Railroad Station. Yes? A cab driver named Barney McCool was cruising about a block away. He heard the shots, but he supposed at the time that there were backfires from a car or a truck. And do you follow this? Well, uh, and I... And then he saw you. Me? He described you most accurately. He saw you running from the railroad station. He got into his cab, and when he heard about the murder, naturally he reported it to the police. Is he sure it was me? The address is recorded on his trip sheet. Is anyone else living here who resembles you? No, but... Do you deny you were at the railroad station? What were you doing there at that hour? Did you deny that you knew Mr. Rogers? Now... You don't have to talk to me, but you'll have to talk to somebody. I'd advise you to call your attorney. My attorney? Look, Mrs. Merriweather, I'm sure your husband has an attorney. Oh, no. I heard of your husband. A man like him, he's got to have an attorney. No, I couldn't talk to him. All right. Let's go. Go? Where? What do you think we've been talking about? The police headquarters. But I can't do that. My husband will find out. I don't see how that can be avoided. But it must be avoided. It must be avoided at all costs. Mrs. Merriweather, we're dealing here with murder. But I had nothing to do with it. What were you doing at the railway station? Now, why do you refuse to answer that question? Because. Because I can't. If you won't say why you were at the station, we will have to conclude it's for a reason you don't want known. For instance, why was Cleveland Rogers at the station? A lonely place like that. Especially since he knew certain people may have been looking for him. Mrs. Merriweather, 
Were you the decoy? What are you saying? Rogers had an eye for a good-looking woman. Were you the one used by the killers to lure him to his death? Lure him to his death? This sounds like a, like a thing in a tabloid paper. Yeah, I'm afraid it does. You're talking to me. I am the wife of Mr. Albert Emmons Merriweather III. What would I know about gangsters, mobsters, killers? I don't know what you do in your spare time. This, this is monstrous. Yeah. Yeah, murder is. And it's not just the murder itself which is bad enough, but the company it keeps, the trail it leaves. The victim isn't the only one whose life has been destroyed. If you do not explain your presence on that platform, people will form their own conclusions. But how? And they will not be flattering to you. And what will you do if the killer claims you were in it with him? And then turn state's evidence to save his own neck? Please, please believe me. I had nothing. Believe me, I'd like to believe you. But you must meet me halfway. What were you doing there? I... Please, leave me alone. Are you protecting someone? How did you know? Are you? I'm... I'm protecting someone. And I'm also protecting myself. No. No, you're not protecting yourself. You're destroying yourself. Now. For this somebody else. Were you... Were you supposed to meet someone at the station? Yeah, of course. It's the only thing that makes sense. Who? I... I'm not at liberty to tell you. Mrs. Merriweather, you must tell me. Why? Why do you have to know who he is? Because he has to corroborate your story. Oh. Yes, that's what it comes down to. Oh. You see, Mrs. Merriweather, sooner or later, you'll have to tell us his name. <laughs> Mr. Pennington... Do you know a Mrs. Alicia Merriweather? Uh, yes, I, uh... Yeah, I believe I do. Al, Al Merriweather's wife. May we speak freely here? Are we alone? Yes, and my wife's out playing golf. <laughs> a demon golfer, that woman. Uh, well, what's this all about? Had you planned to leave your wife and go away with Mrs. Merriweather? <sighs> Had I planned... Look, I uh, don't understand why you should ask me such a question. Because I want an answer. Since one of the police concerned in such personal matters, huh? We're always involved in personal matters where murder is concerned. Murder? According to Mrs. Merriweather, you and she had planned to run away together to meet at the North Side Station and catch the 10.30 train to New York. While she was waiting, there was another man on the platform, and he was shot to death. Huh? Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I uh, read about it in the morning paper. Had you planned to meet Mrs. Merriweather at the station? Well, I still don't see why the law would ask such a question. If the two of you had not planned to meet there, Mrs. Merriweather could be in trouble. Trouble? Considerable trouble. Because how could she account for her presence at the station? Oh. Huh. You still haven't answered my question. Uh, your, uh, your question? Had you and Mrs. Merriweather planned to meet at the station last night? Why, no, of course not. She says you did. Does she? Yes. How do you account for it? Well, I, I can't account for it. Well, but on the other hand, maybe I can. Is that so? How? She, uh... Well, you know, she, she always had kind of a crush on me, and... Well, she's a very romantic woman, and so... 
perhaps she let herself imagine... Let me get this straight here. What you're saying is you made no arrangements to meet Mrs. Merriweather at the railway station last night. Well, of course not. Oh, this is the first I've ever heard of it. But it's true. It's true. I'm sorry, Mrs. Merriweather. We'll see about that. Mrs. Merriweather. We, we agreed to meet. Something happened. He must have been ill. I bet his wife answered. He's ill. That's why he couldn't meet me. He's ill. He appeared in pretty good shape to me. But we... We decided... I wouldn't call again if I were you. The way it looks, he's not going to answer that phone for a long time. You don't understand. We, we're in love. Mm-hmm. I understand this. You're holding the bag. Okay, I believe you. Sure. You did decide to run away together. You did decide to meet last night at the train station. But I spoke to him just before. And he had the look of a guy who... Changed his mind. Don't say that. He said it to me. He told you he changed his mind? His manner told me. The tone in his voice told me. It's her money, isn't it? How? How did you know? These things show. I caught a glimpse of her as I was leaving. Big, horse-faced dame. Not at all pretty like you. No style. I could see where a guy could get fed up with her. But at the last split second... He remembers why he married her in the first place. The money. But he loves me. Oh, I'm sure. But he loves the money more. Meanwhile, you're in a jam. You can't account for your being at the railroad station. I told you. It was to meet Bruce. I know you told me. You believe me, don't you? I believe you. As a man. But it won't help you. Why not? Because he's going to deny that story. How can he? I'll, I'll face him. He has to. If he admits it, she'll throw him out in his ear. So it doesn't look good, huh? You better sit down, Mrs. Merriweather. Lieutenant, I'm frightened. My husband is going to find out. I'm sorry. What was a madness? I see now. It was a temporary madness. The whole thing with Bruce. But he came to his senses before I did, that's all. And now I'm going to be disgraced before the entire world. I'm going to be disgraced. I'll be ruined. Now, look, I'll try to help you as much as I can. Nobody can help me. I got into this myself. I'll have to get out of it myself. My problem is I'm getting panicky. I have to be calm. I have to think this thing through, logically, and arrive at it. Arrive. Yes. Yes, I've got it. I'll deny everything. What will you deny? I'll start right here, right now, and I'll deny everything I ever said to you. And so, therefore, if you have come here to talk to me, you're wasting your time and mine. I was not at the railway station. Oh, come on now, Mrs. Merriweather. We have this cab driver. Yes? And he has his trip ticket. You've already told me about him. What else have you got? What else do we need? He says he picked me up a block from the railway station. Less than a block, and you're in a highly agitated state. Was I? That's what he says. You realize it's his word against mine. Oh, now, Mrs. Merriweather. He can say whatever he pleases. I'll deny it. I see. Well, explain why he should falsely identify you. I haven't the faintest idea. It isn't my problem. But what reason could he possibly have? Well, let me see. Suppose I put it this way. At one time, I had refused him my, uh, favors. And he wants his revenge. 
Mrs. Merriweather, please, make sense. He identifies me, does he? I'll identify him. Let him dare to open his mouth. I'll point to him in that courtroom. I'll recognize him as a cab driver who picked me up some time ago and made me an indecent proposition. I laughed at him. That's the worst thing you can do to a man. Now, look, you know and I know you were at the station last night. I know nothing of the sort. But you admitted it to me. You can't prove it. I'll deny everything. I'll insist this is all some evil plot designed to destroy me and my husband. Remember, all you have is that unsupported word of a cab driver. I see. His word against mine. And now, sir, I bid you good morning. Unless, of course, you intend for me to accompany you to police headquarters. In which case, you will have to take me there by force. Now, look, this isn't your style. You're basically a very nice lady who's been caught up in an indiscretion. I must ask you to leave. Now, first, I must tell you a story. I'm not interested. It's very brief. A playboy named Cleveland Rogers runs up a very large gambling debt with an underworld organization. I've heard that before. And they decide, for a number of reasons, to kill him. You've already told me. And they do kill him. Last night. At the station. You are a witness. You can't prove I was there. Right. I can't. The law can't. But the law is not your problem. Your problem is with the killers of Cleveland Rogers. They know you were there. They know there's a witness. And they know they have to kill you. And I know when somebody's trying to scare me. Let me put it to you this way. We found you. Now... Can you be sure that the killers won't be able to find you? How can they find me? They didn't even see me. From a distance, maybe. But they don't know what I look like. And furthermore... Yes? Oh, my good Lord. Hey, hey, Mrs. Merriweather, what's wrong? Do you want a glass of water? My... My suitcase. Your suitcase? I, I brought a suitcase. And when I ran away, I didn't think... I was so scared, I forgot I had it. I left it right there on the platform, outside the telephone booth. We didn't find a suitcase on the platform. Then they have it. The ones who killed Mr. Rogers. They have it. And it has things in it. With, with my name and address. doesn't do things by halves, does she? And when her plans go awry, they go all the way, don't they? Poor Alicia Merriweather. All she wanted was some love, some romance, a dashing husband instead of a dull one. Is that so terrible? Who are we to judge? Well, let's see how things develop in Act Three. It is a magic moment. You are at your Buick dealers, about to drive home in your brand new Buick LeSabre. It's lean and trim, classic lines. It looks quite unlike any full-size Buick you can remember. You get in. A heady new car smell surrounds you. Your LeSabre feels the way it looks, tight. You turn the wheel a little. No wasted motion in this car. Big brushed metallic gauges look back at you. That V6 engine is doing great. You rub your hand on the seat. Six people could be really comfortable in here. You swing into your driveway. Your wife, the kids, the dog, everyone but the parakeet descends on the car and gets in. Off you go to nowhere in particular. 
Life and Yanuma Saber are great. Maybe the dog shouldn't sit on the seats. You know what's really going to make the holidays merry this year? Merry free gifts and high interest savings accounts at the new place in town, Franklin Society Federal Savings and Loan. We're celebrating the grand opening of our two new branches in Brooklyn and Staten Island by giving depositors their choice of 63 great free gifts with a deposit of $250 or more and savings plans that offer the highest interest allowed by law. So you can save money two ways. Ho, ho, that sounds like the happiest holiday ever. It will be for anybody who opens a new account and selects a free gift. It could save me a lot of work this year. Sure could, Santa. So stop by today and open your high-interest Franklin Society savings account, the association that's been helping people save since 1888. Merry Giftmas, Santa. Yes, Merry Giftmas to you. 1888. Ah, that was a great year. I remember the snow... Our new convenient offices are located in Brooklyn at 8515 Bay Parkway near 86th Street and on Staten Island at 2375 Richmond Avenue in the Heartland Village Shopping Center. Insured by FSLIC. You know all about diamonds when you know about sales. Sales is the diamond store. You don't buy diamonds every day, so let sales show you the way. Cause we know what you're looking for. We're the number one jeweler the whole world round. But for people you know, your hometown diamond store. We know diamonds and you know us. you can blame it all on love. The fact is, everybody wants love. The problem is, some people look for it after they're married. Mrs. Alicia Merriweather, bored with an unexciting husband, thought she could do better by running away with someone else, with results that uh, you are already aware of. He knows who I am. That man knows who I am. Which man? The man who killed Mr. Rogers. Then you saw the killer? I heard the shot. I looked down toward the other end of the station. He was running towards us. A short, stocky man. A short? He didn't know Mr. Rogers had a gun. Mr. Rogers let him get close, and then he fired. He missed, and the man ducked behind a post. But I saw his face. His face. It was such an evil face. No. What do you mean, evil? You look at that face, and you saw evil. You felt evil. You knew there was evil. But what did it look like? It was... He had a round... Small eyes, thin lips, a horrible scar across his cheek. A scar? For a moment, a terrible thought flashed through my mind. I was committing evil in leaving my husband, and now I was being punished. Yeah, it figures. Honeycomb Sweet. I thought he had come to punish me. Donald Sweet, known as Honeycomb. Some name for a hitman, huh? Lieutenant, why should he want to kill me? 
Is she a witness to a murder? His murder. Who, who says I'm going to testify? I mean, is there some way I can assure him he's safe as far as I'm concerned? Is there... Now, look, Mrs. Merriweather, you're becoming hysterical. Certainly, and with good reason. Could I place an ad in the paper? To the gentleman who committed murder on the night of April 11th on the North Side Station platform, I will not testify against you. Sign the witness. Uh, let me get you a glass of water. I can't become involved. I can't. Now, please, get control of yourself. It's all over for me. All over. If this evil man doesn't kill me, Albert will divorce me. The story will come out. It will, won't it? Well, some of it, yeah. And I deserve it. Why? Why did I ever... What did I ever see in Bruce Pennington? Calm yourself, please. Weakling, a coward, a foolish insipid. He didn't mean a word of what he said to me. And the last minute is true nature... Mrs. Merriweather, you must try to think rationally. What do you suppose I'm doing? Yes. Albert, calm, patient, kindly. Oh, Albert. Now that it's too late, I realize how much I love you. Mrs. Merriweather, about the murder... Do you realize I've ruined my life completely? Albert was quiet so much of the time. But that's because he was thoughtful. Bruce talked all the time. And I see now it was the chatter of a parrot. Your life is in danger. It doesn't matter. What am I going to live for? Mrs. Merriweather, we have to go downtown. Why? You're not safe here. We'll have to place you under protective custody. Does this mean I'm under arrest? It means we're going to protect you. And, of course, everyone will know. We'll try to keep it as quiet as we can. I guess your husband will have to know. That's everybody. This can't be helped. Suppose I refuse to go with you. If you agree to drive downtown with me in my car, we can do it quietly. On the other hand... If you want to make an issue of it, you're asking for publicity. I have one hope. One slim, forlorn hope. And that is that this is a dream. A nightmare. And I'll wake up. I'm sorry. I'm ready. Shall we go? Will, will there be reporters? No. No, not yet. Not yet? You'll be booked quietly. Booked? You see, you're a material witness. But I'll be under arrest. No, not exactly. It's all kind of a gray area. But my connection with this, it will come out. Uh, yes, if we go to trial. Of course, Mr. Merriweather will have to know. Yes. I can tell by that yes that you're frightened. How unbelievably perceptive you are, Lieutenant. Tell him everything. Confess. Are you mad? No, no. If you love him and he loves you, then the truth will only make that love stronger. Where did you read that, Lieutenant? I happen to believe it. Oh. Uh, Lieutenant, could you stop here for a moment? In front of that drugstore? Well, I... There are a few things I have to pick up. Uh, all right. I won't be a minute. Do you have a, a telephone booth? Oh, <laughs> I see it. Hello. Hello. 
Hello, Bruce. Don't hang up. Alicia. You alone? Uh, yes. You're not as alone as I am. Uh, Alicia, I, I, I'm sorry. The truth is, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not worthy of you. That's true. I didn't have the courage to go through with it. I'm in trouble, Bruce. I know. My life is in danger. Alicia, if there's anything I can do, I mean, in a quiet, discreet way... I just called to say goodbye. Goodbye? It's enough that I destroyed my own life. I won't ruin Albert's. Where are you going? Oh, I'm supposed to go to police headquarters. Well, you'll be safe there. Instead, I'll, I'll just sneak out of here the back way. But, 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 but where will you go? As far as my money takes me, and hope that no one ever finds me. Goodbye, Bruce. Uh, uh, Alicia. Yes? Good. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, do you have a rear entrance? Oh, uh, never mind. I see it. Patsy? Are you free? Oh, excuse me. I, I didn't know you had a fare. Get in, sister. It's, it's you. Don't make a sound or I'll cool you off right here. Now get in and sit down. Man on the platform. Let's go, Curly. You, you're the man who, who. That's right. I'm the man who. I'm always the man who. Where are you taking me? You hear that, Curly? She wants to know where I'm taking her. What are you going to do with me? Hey, that's one of those things. One of which things? Why do you use euphemisms? I beg your pardon. Why did you come out and say what you mean? Why don't you admit you're going to kill me? Most people, you know, they don't like to hear the real word. Why do you want to kill me? I don't want to kill you. I have to kill you. Why? You know why. Because I can identify you as the murderer of Cleveland Rogers. I tell you, Curly, this is a dame that lays it right in there. Suppose I promise you I won't do that. Yeah? Yes. What do you think I was doing on that platform last night? I never gave it a thought. I was running away from my husband. With Rogers? No. But the man didn't show up. He's a chump. Then you came along and killed Mr. Rogers. If I identify you, then I'll have to answer a certain question. Namely, what were you doing on the station that hour of the night? Exactly. And it would be better for me if that question never came up. I'm married to a very conservative man. I see the diagram. So, I will give you my word that I will never testify against you. And that should solve the problem. Yeah, it should. But I won't. You won't? Why not? In the first place, if I knock you off, I know you'll never testify against me. And I only bet on sure things. But it's against my own interest to identify you. I would never endanger my marriage. I know you say I that. mean it. You think you mean it. But you can't beat the way you were raised, which was straight. Sooner or later, your conscience is going to start to bother you. You're going to have to do the right thing. You can't fight the way you're made. And you're going to suffer plenty, too. So look, believe me, what I'm going to do, it's going to be the best for the both of us. Hey, Curly, it's a cop's car in back of us. Step on it. Hey, he's gaining on us. Let me bust out the rear window. See if I can stop him. I'm not that jump up the road. You can't shoot back at us. They'll be scared of the dame. Ah, that made him think twice. Watch me bag him with the next shot. Hey, 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 let go. No. 
let go of me, you crack no. Let go of my arm. I'll kill you. You'll kill me anyhow. I'll kill you now. Try it. You crazy game. You. Behind the wheel. You, Curly. I've got this gun pointed at your head. And I think you better slow down. That's it. Now pull over. Go on. Pull over to the side. Mrs. Merriweather, you okay? Yeah. Please take this gun. I think I'm going to faint. It was self-defense, so you're in the clear. But, uh, will I get my name in the papers? Well, we decided for your own safety to keep you out of it. The papers will say he was killed in a high-speed chase. <sighs> so, Mrs. Merriweather, I think you're out of it. Thank you, Lieutenant. Thank you for everything. You never did tell me how you happened to come along at the right time. <laughs> there was nothing to it. I watched you come out of the phone booth and head for the rear exit. I drove around the block just as the cab was pulling away from the curb. Oh, I, um, I guess this is goodbye. Yes. Goodbye, Mrs. Merriweather. Alicia, my dear. Albert, you're back. Yes, yes, I've had enough of the convention. Oh, Albert, may I present, um, uh, Lieutenant Berger? Of the, uh, police? The, yes, yes, I, uh, I'm selling tickets for the police department dance. Oh, well, let's buy some, by all means. I already have. Oh, thank you so much. And good night. No, don't bother, I can let myself out. <laughs> you know, uh... When I heard he was a police officer, for a moment I was afraid something might have happened. Why, Albert, darling, what could possibly happen? <laughs> Tell me, how did you spend your time tonight, eh? Oh, it was just another quiet evening at home. <laughs> Has Alicia learned her lesson? I don't know. Does anyone ever really learn a lesson? You think she'll be happy with Albert now? Or will she have her head turned by the next handsome guy who happens along? Another thought. Albert. Was he really at a convention? Who can tell? All I know is I'll be back before you have a chance to miss me. The table looks wonderful, sweetheart. Oh, thank you, darling. Reverend Berkey will just oh, love it. Oh, thank you, darling. Dishes, the silver... Wait a minute, what's this? New Minabade 100% pure lemon juice. Uh, why are... Because they use only fresh lemons. Uh-huh, why are... Because we're having lobster, lobster needs lemon. No, no, why are... Oh, we... because the leading lemon juice is reconstituted. It has chemical preservatives. Oh. Minabade lemon juice is pure lemon juice, and it's frozen for freshness. Oh. Here, just taste Minabade. No, I don't have to. Oh, come on, you can taste the difference. Oh, boy. Uh, sure, it tastes like lemon. Minabade has the juice of six fresh lemons in this plastic squeeze bottle. What? Oh, at the door. Oh, I'll let him in. Oh, Reverend Berkey. Good evening, good evening. Hal, here's Reverend Berkey. Hello, Dr. Durkee. 
Why is your husband talking like that? I was tasting the David juice. Uh, he was tasting new Minute Maid 100% pure lemon juice. Yeah, just He's been at the cooking sherry. Yeah. No, yes, New Minute Maid 100% pure lemon juice in your grocer's freezer case. It's got a fresh taste. People really notice. Roma Wine presents... Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud. Your health, senor. Roma Wine, toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. The Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, welcomes you again to this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you as stars Miss Ida Lupino, currently being seen in Warner Brothers' In Our Time, and Mr. Vincent Price of 20th Century Fox, soon to be seen in the Daryl F. Zanuck production, Wilson. For the appearance of these two distinguished screen personalities, Lucille Fletcher has written a suspense play that deals with brooding anxiety and sharpening suspicion played against the severe and forbidding background of the late Victorian era. And so with Hugh in C minor, and with the performances of Ida Lupino and Vincent Price, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Dear Bessie, this is just to let you know that I arrived in Pilotsville. Lizzie met me at the station. She's heartbroken about Papa's bankruptcy and for some reason feels that it's up to me to remedy the family situation. I told her I'd been offered a job, but she swept away that idea in horror. A girl with your looks, Amanda Peabody, doesn't have to get a job. There are too many rich husbands floating around for that. Furthermore, she says she has a rich husband already picked out for me right here in Pilotsville. Don't you remember? I told you about him at Christmas time. He's a Mr. Evans, rich as Croesus, charming, cultured, a lonely widower with two dear little children. And besides that, he's just your type, a real intellectual. You should hear him play the pipe organ. And you know, Bessie, I've met so few interesting men lately. And all you'd have to do is live. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Chumley. How delightful to see you here. I'd like you to meet my sister. Mr. Evans, my sister, Amanda Peabody. Delighted, I'm sure. It's a lovely party, Mr. Evans. Thank you, Miss Peabody. Have you just come to Pilotsville? Yes. She's down from New York visiting me after the whirl of the hectic social season. Oh, indeed. Well, I'm afraid our Pilotsville society must seem a bit dull to you, Miss Peabody. Oh, no, not at all. It's charming. I've enjoyed everything so much tonight. Your beautiful house, the music. I hear you're going to play for us, Mr. Evans. Oh, a bit. Do you care for organ music, Miss Peabody? Oh, very much. I never miss a church recital. But what a luxury it must be to have your own pipe organ right here in the house. 
I'm afraid I couldn't do without it. It's my hobby, you know. Bach, Buxtehude, César Frank. Don't you adore their work? Oh, Amanda's very musical. You should hear her render the burning of Rome. <laughs> yes. And the delightful thing, of course, about having a pipe organ in the house is that it's everywhere. To sit at a keyboard and hear the walls, the ceilings, the floors vibrate. You see, Miss Peabody, I've had the pipes installed all over the house. Under this floor, for example, are all the choir stops. Up in the bedroom walls are the stops for the swell manual. In the great uh, 32-foot pedal stops, the giant diapasons are underneath the staircase. My children sleep next door to the echo chamber. <laughs> so, you see, we live like angels here in a paradise of music. How thrilling. Now, ladies, come upstairs to the second floor landing, won't you? And I'll show you the console. It was made for me in Vienna. Bessie, dear, to tell you the truth, I really find him fascinating. I wish you could hear him play. It sweeps you off your feet. There is such wildness to it, and at the same time, such dignity. And to hear the sound all through that marvelous house, rolling through those gorgeous rooms with their beautiful tapestries and potted palms. I could sit and listen to him all night. You have the most amazing eyes, Miss Peabody. What are you thinking about? The music. Oh, please don't stop. It's so beautiful. Well, you seem to be as mad about music as I am. Your sister says you play, too. <laughs> oh, no, only a little. My appreciation of it is all inside, I'm afraid. That's plenty. If one can't play, it's better just to enjoy the music of others. I can't bear this sentimental drumming, can you? I shouldn't think you would enjoy it. The idiotic tunes people play nowadays. Give me the old stern classics. They have strength and power. Give me something with life to it, something that will flood the whole house with sound. Oh, that's marvelous. You're a very unusual girl, Miss Peabody. Quite unlike the run of girls here down here at Pilotsville. Yes, in what way? Oh, it's rather hard to explain. Uh, some more tea, Amanda. No, thank you. A muffin? No, thank you. You have an excellent cook, Mr. Evans. Please, please call me Theodore. You know you promised. Theodore? Amanda. And your house is beautifully run, too. You must have an excellent housekeeper. Everything always looks so charming and quiet. I haven't even heard a peep out of your children. Oh, my children? Oh, yes, the children have been away at school. You have two, haven't you? Yes, Daphne and David. What sweet names. Ordinarily, I don't approve of schools for young children, but you see, they were rather overwrought. After Mrs. Evans passed on... Oh, I can well understand. They were almost morbidly devoted to their mother, and then, of course, the unfortunate circumstances of her death, but... I suppose your sister, Mrs. Chumley, has told you all about that. No, not very much, except your wife was killed in a street accident, wasn't she? Yes, in Philadelphia, a brewery wagon and four horses ran her down. Oh, how terrible. It's something I don't like to think about very often. Poor, beautiful Margaret. Well, it's like a nightmare, Amanda, and I still can't feel reconciled, but... Well, what I was driving at was the children. They were in school when she died, and by some malicious stroke of fate, 
There was an epidemic of scarlet fever raging up there. The authorities wouldn't lift the quarantine and let them out for her funeral. Oh, poor little thing. Yes, it upset them dreadfully. In fact, I sometimes fear it's left a mark on them which may endure all their lives. Why, what do you mean? They suffer from delusions. Delusions about her. They think that in some way she is linked. Her soul is imprisoned in the organ pipes. How horrible. I wish I could do something about it. It's a frightful notion, but they won't... They don't let me play when they're at home. That echo chamber in particular next door to their bedroom. Yes? You know, it's nothing but an empty sealed room with a few wires. Of course, it's all because they never saw her dead. But they have a notion that she's, well, somehow hidden there. How ghastly. They really think that, do they? Children can think up such very strange things in their little minds, can't they? Tonight, for suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as stars Miss Ida Lupino and Mr. Vincent Price, whom you have heard in the prologue to Fugue in C Minor. Tonight's tale of Suspense! Let us look in on another scene for a moment. A smart dinner party at the internationally famous Hotel de Nacional de Cuba in Havana. One of the guests, a world-traveled American, sets down his wine glass and remarks that a truly fine wine always carries the unmistakable flavor of the particular vineyards from which it comes. Then laughs his Cuban host, you must be homesick for California right now. For the wine you are enjoying so much is from America, from California. It is Roma wine. Yes, it's true. Our own wonderful vineyard country in California produces in Roma wines that discriminating people in other lands esteem as an imported delicacy. Yet you here at home can enjoy these distinguished Roma wines for mere pennies a glassful. You pay none of the expensive overseas shipping charges and duties. Daily with your meals or when entertaining or any time, you can delight yourself with the wonderful flavor that comes from age-old winemaking traditions perfected by modern quality controls and tests. Yes, only pennies a glassful for a treat you are certain to enjoy. For remember, Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. Roma. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our sound stage Ida Lupino as Amanda Peabody and Vincent Price as Theodore Evans in Fugue in C Minor. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. for the first time. It was a shock. Yes, strange little creatures, utterly unlike their father. The girl is about 11 and the boy 8. They were both dressed in deep mourning. Their large gray eyes seemed strained with terror. They listened and trembled at every sound. This is Miss Peabody, children. She's a very good friend of mine. Now I want you both to shake hands with her. 
Oh, come now, Daphne. You can at least tell Miss Peabody how old you are. Oh, no. Please don't press her. I know when I was a little girl, I hated people to talk about my age. I'd much rather hear about, well, about school. We're not going back there. No matter what anybody says. David. That's all right. Then you didn't like school. No. And Mommy didn't like it either. She cried when we went away. Oh. But your mama wanted you to be educated, didn't she? She wanted you to grow up and be intelligent people, didn't she? Well, didn't she, Daphne? Who are you? You may call me Aunt Amanda. I'm a friend of your papa's. Do you know where my mama is? Your mama? Well, your mama's in heaven, dear. No, she's not. Then where is she, dear? Please, please don't start them off, Amanda. It's too upsetting. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music, like old times. You remember when your mother was alive? We all used to play together. David, you with your cornet and Daphne at the violin, and Mama at the piano. Well, Miss Peabody plays the piano, too. She's promised to play Narcissus, Mama's favorite piece. Well? Well, perhaps some other time, Theodore, when they don't feel so strange. I tell you, I've humored them to death. Now, come, David. There's your cornet on the mantelpiece. And Daphne? No. I insist. Look, now, I'll start the melody on the organ. David, you come in with your cornet obligato in the third measure. Daphne, you can follow me. That funny noise. What note? Oh, you mean that, though? That's just a cipher. A wire must have stuck somewhere. One of the pipe valves. It's Mama. That's where Mama is. She's calling for it. Don't be silly. I've just hit the key a few times and it'll stop. You've heard these ciphers before, haven't you, Miss Peabody? Well, I don't know much about pipe organs. It's a common technical occurrence, but very annoying, of course. What is she doing in there? Why doesn't it stop? That's where she is. She's in the pipe and she can't get out. Daphne, stop that nonsense. Oh, hush, dear. Your papa will fix it. No, he won't. He can't. He won't let him because he killed her. Daphne. Daphne, what did you say? (laughs) She didn't mean it, I'm sure. The poor little thing's hysterical. We should never have tried to persuade them. Oh, man. Just because they never looked upon her face, because they never saw her lying there in the coffin. Oh, hush, hush. My own children believe that I am a murderer. Theodore, you're making them both sick. So I, I who loved their mother so much, who was so devoted for 12 years, do I look like a murderer, Amanda? Do I? No. There it is again. It's Mama. It's Mama. Shh, dear. I'll take them upstairs for you, Theodore, while you try and fix them. April 24th. Oh, Bessie. Those poor little children. We took them out to the cemetery today to show them her grave. A marble angel guarded it. It was planted with pure white tulips. How final it was and peaceful. And yet they began to tremble again the moment we set foot inside the house. Poor Theodore. The man is nearly out of his mind. What can he do? I keep asking myself that question.
She died in Philadelphia, you say? Yes, on May 15th, just a little less than a year ago. You weren't with her? No, she went there to take a piano lesson. There was a new teacher she'd heard about. She was always so self-conscious about her technique. But she never reached his studio. They notified me at midnight from the city morgue. And no one in Philadelphia saw her? No one except the attendants at the morgue, of course, and the people who picked her up after the collision. It was such a brutal accident. There'd be no one from among them who could speak to the children, explain to them? Oh, no. Oh, it's so horrible, so sordid. Oh, I know, my dear. I hate to make you suffer. But if we could find some way, if they could just believe. When you brought her back here to Pilotsville, there was a funeral. Yes. And was there anybody then who saw her? Oh, no, I couldn't bear it, Amanda. I, I didn't think at the time she'd been so beautiful, her lovely, sweet, gentle face and her eyes. The horses had completely trembled. Oh, even if the children had been able to come home, I wouldn't have let them look. The coffin was sealed when I left Philadelphia. I didn't want to see her again myself. But there was a funeral. People came. There were flowers, an undertaker. Yes. Well, if they could believe that, if there was one with me. Finest funeral in town. A snow white hearse and 25 coaches. Everybody sent flowers. The casket wasn't open, but I've been to lots of funerals where they don't open the casket. And from what I understand, she was pretty badly mangled. But it was a beautiful funeral. Mr. Evans played the organ himself, the finest selections, all the sweet old pieces his wife liked. There was Narcissus and Mighty Lassa Rose and Goodbye Forever. So you see, David, my sister, Mrs. Chomley, was there. Yes, but how did she know it was Mama? Oh, David. She didn't see Mama, did she? Well, nobody saw your poor Mama, dear. She wouldn't have wanted anyone to see her. Mama wasn't there. She talks to us every night. She tells us to look for her. Where, dear? In the pipe. But, David, your Mama's dead. She's been dead for nearly a year. Oh, you she... saw her grave out in the cemetery. She's happy and at rest. Why doesn't Papas give us the key? If he'd only let us have it, we could look for her. What key, dear? The key's to the pipe. There's a little door just underneath the stairs. That's where they... That's where the big pipes are. And inside it's all dark. But where are the... But there are... There are tunnels. There's a little room. A little oh. room. That's oh. where she's hiding. That's where Mommy is. That's oh. where Mommy is. Oh, David, darling, now look, come here. No, I hate you. But why do you hate me? Why don't you let me help you? Because. Because what? Because you, you like him. Him? Papa. You're going to marry him, aren't you? Why? <laughs> yes, you are. Sophia says you are. You're going to marry him. Then you'll send us back to school. There'll be no one left to help Mama. Poor Mama will never be left out. Oh, I hate you. I hate you. David, what are you doing here? 
David, did you strike Miss Peabody? He's sick, Theodore. I'm sure he's very sick. Now go to your room at once. Oh, those dreadful children. I tell you, Amanda, they'll ruin whatever happiness we might have. Theodore, I love you very much. But I couldn't marry you. Not with that child's cry ringing in my head. We've got to help them. Give them that key. Let them go and look in the room where the pipes are. Then they'll see for themselves that there's no ghost. Key? Who told you about a key to that room? The children. The children? Amanda, I'm going to tell you something. Something I've never told to a living soul. It, it may frighten you. Yes. Margaret was going mad when she died. Oh. No one knew it but me. It ran in her family. I discovered it long after we were married. After the children were born. Otherwise, I'd never... And now you think the children? I'm afraid so. It was peopling of sound she had, just like them, a fear of the dead's returning. She used to play... What's that? Sounds like the organ. But the motor isn't on. The console was locked when I left. Someone's trying to play. No one but me can touch that instrument. It's forbidden in this house and the servants are out. Unless those children... Come upstairs, Amanda. Why, there's no one here. No one at the keyboard. The organ's playing itself. That's impossible. The motor's not going. The motor? Yes, except the bellows going. There's no air in the pipes unless it's on. No air to make the pipes speak. It's impossible, I tell you. The children found the key and got in. No, no, no. The key's here in my pocket. No other way. No. Theodore, open that door. Go in there and see what's happening, please. No. Theodore. I won't give in. I... I won't be a prey to it, do you hear? I, I won't, I, I won't, I won't. Here. It stopped now. Yes. It was probably nothing but the wind. Theodore, give me the key. I'm not afraid. Are you saying that I am? I don't know. But I'll be fair with you, Theodore. I couldn't marry you and live here with that any more than your children can. What do you mean? Rip out those pipes. Rip out the whole pipe organ. Give it to a church, but don't keep it here. Get rid of the pipe organ? Yes. But I couldn't. The whole house was built around it. It's been the very soul and spirit of this home. It's been the curse, you mean. Theodore, I know I'd go mad, too, if I had to listen to it night and day. It's so hollow. Think of those pipes so huge down there in the darkness. I'd begin to hear things, too. Oh, quiet. Be quiet. Come outside. We'll take a walk. No. No, give me the key. Give me the key. You're hysterical, Amanda. I'm sorry I've overburdened you. Why don't you want to go in there? Is it because you know something? You did something? What do you mean? Did you kill her? Amanda. <laughs> Very well, Amanda. Here's the key. If that's the way you trust me, we'll go down and look around together. Come now, Amanda. I'm sorry, Theodore. It slipped out. It was a dreadful thing to say. All right, I understand. Yet it hurts a little. I've trusted you so completely, Amanda. Theodore. Yes, Amanda. Let's not go in there. I do trust you, darling. I, I, I believe everything you've told me. No. <laughs> this little key. To think it should mean so much. Black it is. Yes, pitch black. And cold. Where are the pipes? 
I can't see them. Come in further, Amanda. You'll see them as soon as your eyes grow accustomed to the darkness. The biggest pipes pack this well under the great staircase like giants. Yes, I'm beginning to see them now. Shouldn't we go and get a candle? No, no, no. Go in a little further. Be careful. The floor's a maze of wires. Now stand there for a second. Theodore, don't leave me. I won't be long. I thought you said you weren't afraid. So I'm not only... Where are you going? Just upstairs to play for you. Theodore. I'd like you to hear how the music sounds in the darkness. It's quite an experience being so close to the pipes. You know, narrow, suffocating, especially when I pay the great Passacaglia and Fugue of Bach. Oh, Theodore, please. I don't want to stay here. Perhaps one of the Rheinberger symphonies or the great chorales of Cesar Frank. (laughs) Margaret, of course, preferred Narcissus. Margaret? You're very gullible, Amanda. Then you did kill her. You killed her in this room. And you're going to kill me. Yes, simple, isn't it? But why? I don't know. One gets tired every now and then of mere music. Sometimes the classics demand competition. A scream, for example. There's something so exciting about pulling out all the stops and drowning out all human sound. Have you ever tried to match your voice, Miss Peabody, against the thunderous voice of Bach? It's most effective. And then when the struggle gets weaker, when the air is almost gone and you choke and gasp for breath, to bring the music down, softer, softer. Theodore, you're mad, you're mad. Come, Amanda, would you deny me that pleasure? No, I Help. promise you the concert Help. will be too long. It takes about eight hours before the air gives out. But you know, I could play for days. And don't worry about the children. I think you've convinced them about the ghost. But that? Theodore? Someone shut the door. It's locked and the key's outside. Who's there? Let me out. Let me out. Get away from me. Let me out, do you hear? Let me out. Let me out. I can't breathe. I'm suffocating. It's so dark. I can't breathe. Let me out. Please. Please. I can't breathe. I can't. No. No, don't. I can't. I can't. Let Let me out. I can't breathe.
What horrors they must have sensed in that charnel house. There were other women beside his wife. Police found them all buried and stuffed away into unused parts of the pipe organ. Yes, see, I was in that pipe room alone with him for four hours before that door creaked open. There they stood. And I shall never forget their faces or the things they said. And come out now if you're really sorry. I'm sorry. Are you sure he's quite dead? Yes, he's dead. We were right all the time. Weren't we, Miss Peabody? Yes, you were right. Now, will you come and help us find Mama? Ida Lupino and Vincent Price. Tonight's tale of Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Of all the rich treasures man gets from the earth and Mother Nature, none has been more highly esteemed than wine. Good, delicious wine. And if you are one who does not yet know how much and how delightfully Roma wines add to your meals, well, let me urge you not to miss out any longer on such a treat as this. There's nothing complicated about it. Just get and serve Roma wine with any meal or any time in any kind of glass you wish. Serve it chilled. Try the many different kinds of Roma wine until you find those you like best of all. Try Roma California Sherry with its wonderful nut-like flavor as an appetizer or ruby red Roma Burgundy or the deliciously delicate-flavored Roma Sauternes. These superb wines cost you only pennies a glassful. Yet, they make even the simplest meal taste like a million dollars. Get some today. And if your dealer is temporarily out of Roma, please try again soon. You owe it to yourself to have and regularly enjoy R-O-M-A, Roma Wine, America's largest selling wine. Made in California... For enjoyment throughout the world. This is Ida Lupino. Mr. Spear has just been telling me a little about next week's suspense show. The star will be Thomas Mitchell in a story about a man who had headaches, tried everything to cure them, finally went to a psychiatrist and found out that he was a murderer. Well, that certainly sounds like a broadcast we listeners won't want to miss. One more word. Don't forget to buy that war bond this week. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Thomas Mitchell and Donald Crisp in... Suspense! Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is 
is Arch Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you. These lights-out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Miss Goddard, answer the phone, please. Yes, Mr. Obler. Yes? Oh, yes, Miss Harrison. Here he is. Mr. Obler? Yes? Miss Harrison. Oh, oh, thank you. Hello, Joan. How's the family lady? <laughs> yeah, am I in trouble? Well, the last lights out. I just don't know what to write about. Oh, no, I got plenty of ideas, but... Well, well, men dying in foxholes, and what am I doing? Thinking of fantastic... Well, thanks very much, but I still insist that I ought to be... <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Sure, I'll make this last one a good one, and then that'll be that. If I live through it. Huh? <laughs> no, no, I was just talking to myself. I've been doing that rather consistently these last few days. <laughs> yes, I, I guess all those zombies and ghouls and lucaroos have finally caught up with me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Two aspirins and a glass of water every half hour. Uh, now look here, Miss Harrison, don't worry about me. I'll get the story written tonight if I have to talk to the devil himself to do it. All right, General. Yeah, sure. Oh, fine, fine. Call me back in an hour and I'll have some kind of a plot figured out. I hope. Give my regards to Norman. Talk to you later. Well, Miss Goddard, let's get to work. Yes, sir. What time is it anyway? 11.32. Sorry I have to keep you working so late? That's perfectly all right. I know you have to have that play done by tomorrow morning. I'm glad to help. You're an angel. Angel. That's a strange word to use here in this room where I've thought up so many demons and monsters. Tell me, or maybe you won't want to tell me. What, Miss Elva? Working with me on these lights out plays, do you ever get frightened? Well... You do, don't you? Yes, I do get frightened many times. Huh. There was a time I'd have found that very amusing, but not tonight. Is there something wrong, Miss Elva? I don't know. Tell me... Did you ever sit alone in a room at night and have a premonition? I mean, suddenly get the feeling that somewhere in the house, perhaps in the darkness in the next room, something was waiting, something of malignancy and evil? <laughs> Ugh, what's the matter with me? If I keep on talking like this, they'll be using me as Exhibit X in a psychopathic ward. Come on, let's get to work. Yes, sir. Uh, let me see. We'll start out next week's play with the regular lights out opening. Lights out everybody. Chimes, later thing you think, gone. First character is named, um, Hellman. Call him Hellman. Jack Hellman. H-E-L-L-M-N. Two hours. Got that? Mm-hmm. Um, he commits a murder and he, um... Oh, what's the use? I can't write another one of these things. Ghosts and groans and blood. I, I tell you, I can't do it. I can't do it. Mr. Obler. I'm sorry. Look here, Miss Goddard. You better run along. But aren't we going no, to... No, I just can't write any more tonight. But the cast, they'll be standing by. The rehearsal. The devil with the rehearsal. I'm not going to go insane writing these things for anybody. Now, now, run along, please. Try to get some rest, and if you come back early in the morning, we'll see what we can do. Just as you say. Are you sure you're all right? Please go. All right. Good night. Good night. <sighs> What's come over me anyway? Why, why did I tell you to go away? Got to write this play? Premonition. <laughs> she must have thought I was getting softly. 
Who? Who, sir? Oh. Oh, I am in bad shape. The wind rattles the window and I... Lights out, author goes nuts. There's a headline for variety. I gotta get down to earth. Quarter twelve. Joan says she'd call back in an hour. I've gotta have some kind of a plot by then. Let me see. How about a, a press agent named Black killing a man named White and Black and White murder? Oh, that corny. Maybe I could use a story about a Hollywood producer. Let's see, Johnny Hour. He meets a girl and then's afraid because the girl's husband. Oh, is that out of character? How about Nero chopping off heads in the Roman circus and... Certainly it's quiet in here. Yell all day for quiet, and now that I've got it, I... I have got the jitters. What the devil have I got to be jittery about? Things are what they are, if anybody knows that I do. Two and ten makes four, unless you're talking about curved space, and then that has hold on to what they've got, and anybody who's in this war for profit ought to have his bones broken off and stuff. What the devil am I talking about? Ah, uh, okay. I'd better stop kidding myself. I know what's wrong. I want to write it, and yet I don't. What's the matter with me? Afraid to put it down on paper? What have I got to be afraid of? Here it goes. <laughs> Get it over with, and outline of... Title undecided, out of my system. Play opens in the cell of a monastery in the Middle Ages. A mystic is cowered in a corner of his room. Outside, a mob is clamoring for his life. It appears that a horrible crime has been committed in the village below. A horrible monster had torn a woman. It appears that this creature, brought into being through the incantations of the sorcerer, was the concentration of all the evil in men's hearts and minds. A tremendous force of fiendishness and inhumanity put into living flesh to roam the world and commit unspeakable... Of all the drivel. A tremendous force of fiendishness and inhumanity put into living flesh to roam the world and commit unspeakable... Boom. Well... Dribble or not, there it is on paper. Me own monster conceived in me own mind. Congratulations, Papa. Have a cigar. Conceived in my own mind. Huh. That's what that crazy monk said in that book Matt Wolf gave me. I wonder who gave him that book. Conceived in... Where's that book anyway? It ought to be... Huh. Yeah. I even marked the page. And I say unto thee that if thou shalt be evil and do evil and think evil... And let thy mind rest upon this evilness in the light of day and in the darkness of night for seven days and seven nights. There may come into being a thing of evil, and it shall take the form of the evilness of thy thought. <sighs> Written by half-starved mystic more than ten centuries ago, and I... Funny I should have thought of those words tonight. I've been thinking about them for a week. Shall take the evil, the form of the evilness of thy thought. Seven days and seven... Who? Who's there? No! 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 What? What the... You... You in my mind. You're just in my mind. No. No. You, 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 you don't exist, I tell you. I, I thought you up your, your dream. I said a dream. 
When I wake up. No. It is a dream. It's got to be a dream. Come in. Come in. Get me out of this dream. Get me out of this dream. Come Hi, in. Art. Well, don't you ever open doors anymore? Now, what's the big idea of sitting in here it's all night? It's not a dream. It's, it's still... Hey, Art, what's cooking? Eli, get out. Oh, now, Art, Don't stand there. Look at me. Get out. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? Get out. Get out of here. Hey, what are you See in here what? Behind you. Look behind you. Well, there's nothing behind me but the wall. Eli. Hey, what is this, anyway? A preview of... Eli, Eli get out of here. All right, all right. Now, let's have it. What is this? A preview of a new play? <laughs> Boy, am I glad you're quitting lights out after all. Can't you hear him? Who? Hear who? Eli, behind you. Behind me what? What's the matter with you anyway, Art? Don't you feel well? You keep staring back at me. It must be a dream. It must be a dream. What's that dream? It must be a dream. Are you a tiger? What's the matter? The pink elephant's beginning to get... Help! 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 My brother! No, my brother, let go of you. You think to my brother. No! 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 Get your oh, 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 hold it. Here comes Frank Sinatra again. Spot 39 and 48. Go to Ventura and Ragwood. Drunk making a disturbance. Claims his brother ate by a monster. Squad 39 well, and 48. Go to Ventura and Ragwood. Drunk claims his brother ate by a thing. But I tell you, it's true, officer. It's true. My brother, my own brother, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. All right, all right. Now, take it easy, young fellow. You're in a bad shape. I tell you, I'm not drunk. I'm as sober as you are. Now, don't get funny. You thick-headed fool. Look, it's there behind you. What? The thing, the monster. Look at it. Believe my brother. Oh, I've heard of him seeing snakes and pink elephants, but this is the first one I've seen this bad off, eh, Joel? Oh, you never can tell in the valley. There, the the two of you. Can't you see him? Can't you see him? Over there in the corner. Hey, hey, maybe we better take him down to the station and let him cool off in the can for a while, eh? Yeah. Stop staring me, the two of you. Why won't you believe me? Why won't you believe me? Hey, Clarence, maybe this guy's on the level. Oh, are you nuts, too? Something happened to his brother, there'd be someone around, wouldn't there? And there ain't nothing in this room. What have I done? What have I done? You've done? What do you mean? I thought of the monster. Seven days is a matter. She is Joe, the guy's nuts. Let's find out who he is. What's your name, young fella? Yeah, what's your name? Quiet down now. What's your name? Oh, what difference does that make? The thing your sister and grins at me. Why don't you see it? Help me. Why oh, you come on, come on now. What's your name? Let's have it. Opaler. What's your business? What do you do for a living? Where? Radio. I, I write radio. What's the difference? Radio. Opaler. Say... Ain't you the guy that writes them screwy lights out things Tuesday night? Yes, help me. Please, please help that me. Joe. What? Why, this is the guy that writes them ghost things I was telling you about, you know, over the radio. Obler. The guy who always makes his cops Irish. You get it? <laughs> it's one of them gags, one of them publicity gags. Gags? Oh, you infernal. Now, wait a minute, fellow. Watch your tongue. I tell you, it's not a gag. It's here, here in the room. It has took my brother and... Uh, can't you hear it? Can't you hear it? Huh? It's laughing. 
And in front of laughing, listen to it. Listen to it. <laughs> it is later than you uh, Okay, young fellow. If it ain't a gag, you better take a broom and go back to bed. Now, listen, you. We're going to hang around for a while, so take it easy. Come on, Joe. Let's get out of here. This no, no, wait. Who is wait. Don't let me down. It's here, I tell you. It's here. Don't let me. Oh. What'll I do? What'll I do? i got to get out of here. I've got to get out there and find someone who believes. What? Oh, it won't let me out? No, no. Don't come near me. Don't come. Please. Hey, come back. Come in. Come in. Oh, no, 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 What's going on here? Didn't oh, we no. tell you to go to bed? Is that the way to act? We heard you screaming all the way down in there. Oh, no. Where did she come from? She, her, torn. Give me that gun. Huh? That thing in the corner. Won't you look at it? Won't you believe me? Give me that gun. Get away from me. The gun, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot it. No, no. Stand where you are. Stand where you are. Let you have a slug. Huh? You got to come and feel that girl. It'll burn you for it. As sure as my name's Clarence McMinster. And I'd like to be the guy that pulls the switch. Right in here, sir. You've got five minutes. Yes, I know, I know. Oh, Mr. Kenny, I've been waiting for you. I got here as soon as I could. Uh, looks bad over there. Very bad. What do you mean? I didn't do anything. I tell you, I didn't. Oh, yes, yes. I know, I know. But, uh, Obler, you can't do a thing like that and just walk away from it. Well, I've explained it to you. I've explained it to everyone a hundred times, a thousand times. Won't anyone believe me? Now, look here, Arch. I'm your attorney. I want to help you. A great number of people want to help you, and we certainly can't do a thing unless you cooperate. Yes, that's what I said. Cooperate. What do you want me to do? Tell the truth. The whole truth. I told you. I yes, told you. Yes, yes, I know what you told me. A horrible thing that you conceived in your mind came to life and uh, did a number of uh, peculiar things. Uh, but, oh, see here, surely you don't think that even the most stupid jury on earth is going to believe that nonsense? You don't believe me. Well, I've heard many peculiar alibis from my radio clients in time, but... Well, listen, if you want to plead temporary... But I'm not insane. I'm not insane. I'm not then insane. Then let's hear a sane explanation of what happened that night. I told you. I told you everything just the way it happened. My brother came yes, home and... Yes, 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 I know. Well, your brother came into the room and was eaten up by this monster and then a girl... Oh, what's the use? Apparently you want to die. I've tried so hard to make you understand. I've tried to make you understand that if you don't stop this infernal nonsense and hurry up and tell me the truth of what really happened... You'll either find yourself taking a one-way walk to the electric chair or wake up in a padded cell in an asylum for the criminally insane. What? The fact of the matter is they've already appointed a lunacy commission to pass on your case. Lunacy commission? Oh, see here, Arch. Wait. No, wait. Let me talk. Go right ahead. That's what I want you to do. Maybe I am insane. I don't know. First, I told myself it was nothing but a nightmare. That I'd wake up and find it had all been nothing but a weird dream that never really happened. But it's not a dream and no one will believe my story, not even you. It's such an irrational story. How can you expect anyone to believe it? Now, take that part about your brother being devoured alive by this this monster. It happened. It happened just as I said it happened. It's common knowledge that your brother is pre-induction vacationing up north with your mother. He came back. You and they are coming back. I sent your brother a wire to come back and bring your mother home at once. 
They ought to be here today. My brother's dead. Well, that's your preposterous story. This this thing, this monster who's supposed to have committed all these crimes. Where is he? Where did he come from? Where has he gone to? I... I don't know. Did the police see him? No. Did anyone see him? No. Oh, Arch, Arch, if you're going to think up an alibi to save yourself, for heaven's sake, think up a better one than that one. I'm not trying to think of alibis. I'm just trying to explain what happened to you and maybe to myself. I haven't believed much during my life, except perhaps that somewhere there was a power that went beyond life and death. What happened to me isn't explainable in any terms that you and I... But, Mr. Gang, I tell you, it did happen. I thought of a monster for seven days and seven nights in my own mind. And like that prophet of the Middle Ages warned, the evil thing came to life, and yet only I could see it and hear it. And do you see and hear it now? No. That's what I can't quite understand. Perhaps the horrible thing only has life when I think about it intensely. <gasps> Intense? That's it. It only has life when my thoughts give it life. Like an idea. Don't you see, Mr. Gang? Like an idea only exists when you think of it. Your thought gives it life. And that's the way it is with that terrible thing. Listen. 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 Do you hear him? There. There he is in the corner. What? I tell you, he's there. Don't you hear it? Slobbering and slobbering. I see it now. I see it. You think? I'm not afraid of you anymore. You hear me? I'm not afraid. I'll kill you. 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 God. Help. 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 God. God. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. He's gone insane. He's gone insane. I know how strongly you gentlemen feel about this matter, but after all, we must come to a decision on his mental status. As chairman of this lunacy commission, I feel that it is incumbent upon me to, shall I say, uh, summarize the facts as they have been placed before us. Uh, first, it is an established fact that a murder, and a very horrible murder, has been committed. The police officer has testified very conclusively that Arch Obler was there upon the scene of the crime, and that it was absolutely impossible for anyone else to have committed the murder. In other words, the man whose mental status we are to determine is a murderer. Consider further facts. Does he wear conventional shirts? Uh, no, 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 Another fact. Does he participate in uh, normal activities such as drinking, dancing, uh, fraternal orders, and similar uh, beneficial social activities? No, 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 no. I pile fact upon fact. Have you gentlemen ever listened to his play? What are some of the distinctive features of these works? Voices. Mm. Strange voices. Whispering voices. You know, that gentleman always whispering voices. 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 Gentlemen, I am of the firm opinion that we are dealing with a very definite case of Dementia Braycock in its paranoidal form. No, I do. No, 
on my time in an insane asylum. Oh, my... I'm not insane. I tell you, I'm not insane. No, no, of course you're not, son. But don't excite yourself anymore. Please. What does make me go? If there was only some way I... I could make them say the thing as I say it. Mother, you believe what I told you, don't you? Yes, yes, dear. Of course I do. Eli would only get back. Eli? But I told you, Eli, would... You're like the others. You don't believe me. Now I know you don't. Oh, you will believe. I'll make you believe. Thank you. Thank you, you are. Listen to me. I think of you. Here, I think of you. I give you life. I give you life. Oh. You hear, Mother? You hear it does exist? It does? No, no. Don't get so excited. There, Mother. My... It's right behind you. Turn, see, believe. You see, Mother. You see, I'm not insane. I'm not insane. No. My mother. Say my mother. No. No. Not my mother. 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 All right. All right. Hello. Oh, yes, John. Midnight already? Yeah, I've been sitting here very comfortably, and I finally thought up the plot line, and believe me, it's quite a brainstorm. I die. Sure, sure, it's my final broadcast, so why not? No, I'm not gagging. Listen to me. You know, it's all about a monster that I conceived in my own little-bitty mind, and it comes to life. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't had a coke in hours. It's going to be one of those, you know, crazy stories inside of a story. Now, listen. The way I've got it figured out is this. Now... I'm supposed to be sitting here thinking of this horrible monster, and suddenly I turn around and there it is. See? And my young brother comes in, and this monster eats him up alive, and then Mercy McCambridge comes in, and she. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Joan. Hold it for a minute. I think someone came in. I imagine it's Bernie. I'll see who. Ah! Oh, no! Joan! Joan, listen! That thing, it's true. This time it's really happening. No, 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 no. Once again, we caution you. These lights-out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. I... I, I know. 
That's dying I am, Father Donahue. And old as I am, I'm not ready to die until you... Ah, come closer, Father, and hear my miserable confession. You know me as a good woman of the village. Yet uh, I've heard what you say. There's no finer old woman in all the islands than the widows and elves. Ah, but that's not so, Father Donahue. And if I'm to meet all my old friends in the island of paradise, then hear me out and pray for me. You know my sons, Thomas and Patty, born on the same cold winter's night they were. And the firstborn, Thomas, was as good as an angel in paradise. But the second, the one I named Patty, was evil from the moment he took his first breath of God's good air. It was Thomas that carried the load of the family on his back, fishing from early to late. But Patty, oh, that's right. Drinking and brawling and running from work as if the devil himself was pulling him away. I pray to the good God every night that some goodness come into the man's heart. But with every year he grew worse, stealing what his crooked tongue couldn't talk away from honest men. Ah, but his brother Thomas, he repaid me for all the trouble. A good boy. And when he came to me with the word that he was to marry Eileen, the heart in me sang for the good God always meant for the two of them to be together. Ah, oh, how I remember the day of the wedding. The sun shining, and the sky and the sea smooth as a baby's cheek. I was so happy, little knowing of the horror of what was to come. Ah, oh, it was a happy morning. Ah, oh, listen to the mother. Did you ever hear a happier sound in all creation? Why, don't they be happy, Thomas? It's not every day that such a blessed marriage comes in the island. Ah, the prettiest girl in all the black is waiting to be your bride as soon as the sun starts setting. My bride? Uh, oh, Mother, that's a grand word. I'm happy for you, my son. I wonder where Patty can be. Patty? Yes, he isn't around. You know where he is. Oh, that's right. It'll be a better wedding without him. Oh, now, Mother, don't say things like that. After all, he's your son and my brother. Oh, I've got a sorrow in my heart as he's drinking and brawling. Patty, you did come. Speak of it, Jimmy. And why shouldn't I be here? It's an honest stranger, so they're welcome at your wedding. Oh, no, Patty, that's not the way to talk. There's food and drink and... No, wait a minute. I've got more important things to do than to be filling your belly. Listen to me, Brother Thomas. Is your head that full of weddings that it can't get a chance of making us out richer than a Yankee? What do you mean? Yes, speak up, Patty. What devilment are you up to now? Devilment's nothing. It's honest money I'm, I'm talking about. And may the next pipes and tobacco beat me on wake if I'm not telling you the truth. I'm listening, Patty. Let's hear what you have to say. Do you remember the hulk of a ship that was wrecked off in East Nabra a bit ago? Well? Well, I went there yesterday to see if there was anything worth having. Oh, listen to me, brother. In the bottom of a pool no deeper than this room is lying enough bolts of copper and brass to make you and me the richest men on the island. What? Ah, you can believe your ears. Wouldn't you rather bring the bride a pocketbook filled with gold sovereigns and the empty leather you've got now? But, Paddy, I... Ah, I wish you, mother, you talk to the man. But if it's in the sea, it'll wait until after the wedding. Oh, wait, will it? And with those Inish boats sailing out around the place? I tell you, it's now or never. And may my sword to the devil if I'm not saying two words. Mm, Thomas, it would be nice to have a bit of money in the house. Yes. Well, then what are you waiting for? 
You've got a boat big enough to handle the stuff, and I'll be there to help you. And in three hours, you can be back here dancing. Oh, it's Irene. Let her have the word. Whether you stay or go. Stay or go where, Mother Danelle? What's going on, Thomas? Well, uh, you see, Eileen... Ah, you're the day short. Let me say it. Eileen, there's a fortune in brass and copper boats waiting for us in water no deeper than a man's neck over off in East Nabro. And Tommy here thinks you'd be fool enough to say no to his going. But, but must he go now? The sea doesn't wait. He'd be back in three hours, Eileen. I just think, Eileen, you'd have a dress for every day of the week. Thomas, do you want to go? We could build a new house with the money. Mother Danelle, do you think Thomas should go now? I mean, with all them out there? Well, we're so poor, and Thomas, young as he is, so worn and weary from work. Maybe this is God's blessing. A gift from heaven for putting our faith in him who watches over all of us. God's blessing is right. A hundred pounds. And we'll be the kings of the island. Come on now. We can take the side path down the cliff. Wait, brother. Eileen, is it your wish? I'd be a poor wife to you, Tom. If I stood in your way of making a living before our marriage. My darling. Ah, there'll be time enough for that now when we get back. Come on, Thomas. Let's get out of here. Hurry back to me, my dearest. The sea will take me to our good fortune, and the sea will bring me back. Uh, out this way, Thomas. Come on, hurry up. Yeah, I'm coming. Until the wedding, darling. God, go with you. Thomas! Yes, yes. I'll be back in three hours, Mother. As rich as a Yankee. Bye. Oh, oh little baby, why should you cry? Thomas is proud to see so many times. Why should you cry this time? Mother, you know. I'm frightened. Frightened? And tell me, why should you be frightened? I don't know, but when that door closed behind him, it seemed as if the waters of the sea were closing over. Oh, Mother Danelle, oh, Miss Claude, I'm so afraid. Oh. And soon, Father Donahue, Eileen and I left the dancing and the fiddling behind and climbed the long path up to the top of the cliff so our eyes could see far out over the water. And all the time, Eileen kept crying that she'd never see Thomas again. But she's never seen Thomas again. Oh, 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 Thomas. Oh, stop trying. Oh, heaven's things you're saying, girl. It's simply the devil to do his evil work. Oh, I haven't climbed at this path for a minute. It's a little too steep for me, old bones. Thomas, where are you? Oh, now stop that, girl. Our Thomas has found so much copper and grass. It's taken him longer than he thought. Oh, Thomas wouldn't come back like he would. No, well, Paddy would if there was a shilling extra to be made. And he's talked Thomas into it with that sharp tongue of his. Oh, oh the last ship. I know we'll see them. They're both weighed down with good fortune. Eileen! Eileen, stay away from the edge. You'll go over the cliff. Oh, Mother Janelle, to the west. Right. To the west where they went. The water. Oh, Mother, that wind. Where did it come from? Out of the west where he was. But, but in all my years, such a wind has never been before. Oh, look at it swirling and tossing before the wind. It's dead. No. My daughter's dead. No, no. Stop saying that. It's not dead, my Thomas. Eileen, Eileen, come back to you. Come back to me. Oh, that was a time, Father Donahue. The wind grew wilder and wilder. In a minute, the sea was pounding at the base of the cliff. And the girl shrieking she wanted to die with Thomas. And me frightening her back from the edge and praying to the good God to give me old arms the strength to hold her back until she came to her senses. Ah, none of us got a wink of sleep till the light of morning. Oh, that wind. I can hear it now. Snarling and talking. Widow 
Ned. A boat, a boat. You're shouting oh. to the west. Why, my son. Aye, aye, come on. Dead. No, no, the boat's coming and there's living hands on the oars. Come on. Oh, there's a scotter, and he's a thank you for their mercy. Mother Danelle, I heard someone say. Oh. Mother Danelle. Oh, Danelle. the merciful God has brought them back. Oh. Come on, quick. They're trying to get into land. Hurry now. Oh, Mother Danelle, quickly. No. No, wait, child. Your shawl. Your shawl there. Now give me your arm. Oh, my old friend. No, I can hardly walk. Yes, yes. Lean on me. Oh. Hurry. Mother Yes. Danelle. Yes, I'm moving fast as I can. It's hard. It's hard to get against this wind. This wind. Let him live. You bless him. For the life of one. And I bless it. For the life of two. Good neighbors. Good neighbors, let us through. My son. Let us through. Oh, I can see nothing. The waves and the dark. I mean, do you see? Yes. Yes, Mother Janelle. I see them. I see Where? Where put it out to me, girl? Where? Oh, the there. Follow my finger. Oh, Mary, they're yes. coming back. Yes, I see the boat. Oh, blessed boat. I see it. Praise God, I see it. One. There's only one no. boat. No, what are you saying? Thomas, can you mother the cake come back? The waves. Uh, the first, right? There's only one in the boat. Where? Uh, the boat's in. Oh, Thomas. Oh, no. No, I didn't wait for me. My son. My son, take me to him. Oh, yes, yes. Forgive me. Come, I'll help you. Now, good girl, I didn't good girl. Oh, which one? Which one? Thomas, I know it. Thomas, yes. I know it. Yes, Thomas, the good Thomas, indeed. Stand aside, everybody. Let the widow Danelle and the girl through now. Let them through and some other. Well, well, I'm back, Mother. Are you please see me? Paddy. Oh! Please, stand by. You, Paddy. Yes. Yes, me. Can't I get a right to live? Tell me. Where is my son? Where's Thomas? Tell me, Paddy. Where is my Thomas? Where do you think he is, old woman? Dead at the bottom of the sea. Aye, Father Donahue. That was what he told me. My good Thomas was dead at the bottom of the sea. Dead. The good Thomas dead and Paddy. Paddy the evil and alive. Ah, it wasn't right, Father. And in the days and nights that followed, I cried to God, Why did you do it? Why? Why did the sea take my dear Thomas from the boat and leave Paddy? Was there no reward on earth for goodness and sweetness of soul? And in the seventh night of my sorrow, there came an answer. I was lying on my bed. Outside, the sea was singing and whispering. My window was open, and I could hear the sea talking as I lay there crying. Crying for the Lord. Do not cry, Mother. Mother. I I heard a voice. You heard me, Mother. Thomas's voice. Oh, no. No, it's some wildness in my weary head. Mother. I am so weary. You must listen. Oh, dear Scott. Why do you do this to me? My son is dead. Dead in the sea. Why do you bring me the memory of his voice? Mother, mother, believe me. If I could only see you, I would believe. Oh, no. 
The horror the sea made of me. Wind and wave and grinding rock against my flesh. Oh, I wouldn't care, my son. Just let me see that it is you and not my own voice speaking in the head. Oh, mother, you don't know what you ask. But if there is no other way, close your eyes until I give you a word to open them. I've, I've closed them. Now, now open, mother, and have no fear. I beg you. Oh. This was oh. Thomas. Oh, no. Mother, why did he murder me? Murder? The sea was calm. We reached the pool where he set the copper and the brass lay. I stripped off my clothes and dove under. Oh. And when I tried to come up for another breath of air, oh, Mother, he wouldn't let me do it. Oh, no. With his hand, he held me under. My hands, they tore at his arm. But he held me down, down until at last I screamed for mercy. And the water filled my mouth, my lungs, and killed me. My own brother killed me. And that is why I tore myself out of the sea. I want to know why he did it. Why? I cannot rest in peace until I know and understand. You tell me. Oh, speak, mother. What gain could come to him for such a horror? I, I do not know. Oh, believe me, my son. I do not know. Then I must go back. I cannot stand this. Thing. Oh, my good Thomas. Look at this, what was Thomas Demare's face. Look at it and give me your oath. You will not tell my Eileen or my brother this night. Oh, but I... Your oath, mother. They must not know. You hear me? They must not know. I swear, Thomas. Oh, merciful one, this pain. I go, mother. Where? Back to the sea. And will we, will we ever meet again, my son? Yes. The day I find out why he made me drown, I will return, Mother. I will return. Thomas, my son, come back. Oh, oh my son. My son. But he was gone, Father Donahue. Gone back to his nameless grave at the sea. Then, then it happened. Perry talked his way into the good graces of the girl. Simple little Eileen. What did she know of the evil of men? A devil Paddy and my good Thomas's Eileen. Ah, took their life out of me. And made me long for the quiet of my grave. And then, then came the day of the wedding. Again the fiddler was playing. Again the good people of the islands were happy. I alone was sad, weeping. Weeping the twilight. Oh, Mother Danelle, why do you sit here apart from all the rest and weep? I, I'm not weeping, girl. For weeks you've been so sad. Can't you find a little joy in your heart for this day of my marriage to your own son? My, my son, I do not love him as I did dear Tom. May he rest in peace. But Thomas himself told Patty that if he died, he wished that Patty had care for me. And, M Mother Danelle, what is it? Your face is so strange. Now he knows. 
I just remembered. Now he knows. Who knows? What are you saying? <laughs> there you are, my little bright to be. <laughs> uh, why waste your wedding day with this old woman? Mother of mine, though she'd be, her face is sour enough to curdle milk. Come on away now. No, no, wait, Patty. Mother Danelle, you must tell me. What is it that makes you stare at Patty with such an awful ah, look? That's the look she's always had. <laughs> oh, look how the sun glints on the sea. Oh, it's a day for a king. And I'm a king marrying the girl I've always wanted. Come kiss me, Irene. Kiss me so that all shall see me. Kissing the prettiest bride in all Ireland. No, please. Kiss me. Let the sky in the sea. Oh, Mother Danelle. What did you make that sound for, old woman? What's going on Now then, speak up, Mother. Why did you shriek like that? The sea. What of the sea? What are you putting your bony finger at out there? What are you... Look, at the water's edge. Say, what is... Something's coming out of the sea. Look, something's coming out of the sea. I I see see it now. It's a seal, that's what it is, a seal. Where's the club? I'm looking at it. It's not a seal. It's a man. Look, man. Bones. Just bones. Look at all of Eileen, do not look. Do not look. Oh, oh, blessed Mary, she's fainted. She will not see. What? What? What is it? I, I can't move. I cannot move. No. You cannot move, my brother. You cannot move. That, that, that voice. Bones and little flesh. And yet you know the voice. Thomas. Thomas. Your brother Thomas. Come back again. No. Because now he knows. No. Now he knows. No. Knows what? Why you murdered me. Your flesh and blood. I heard it from your own lips. I, you wanted my Eileen always. I, That's why you did it. I, 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 your clever tongue can no longer save your yeah. brother of mine. I have come a painful way to get you. No, 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 you won't get me dead thing. No, I'll get away. I'll run, I'll run. And so he ran, Father Donahue. He turned and ran up. Up the path it led to the top of the cliff. And behind him, slowly sobbing with the pain that tore at his dead bones, climbed my dead Thomas after him. And after Thomas dragging my old bones, I went. Oh, for they were my sons. And I had to see that right was done. Up, up, up until at last Perry stood on the very edge. The sea five hundred feet below. Shrieking and yelling and wailing. He stood there shrieking at that horrible thing. What once was it? No, no, nothing. Stay back. Stay back. You bones of Bill, stay back. I back. come for no. you, my brother. No, no. I come no. for you. No. <laughs> he fell. He fell. Mother, see, he, he didn't get me. Those rotten bones gave way beneath him. He didn't get me, Mother. He fa- Mother, what are you going to do? Mother, Mother! Over the cliff, Patty went, turning and twisting, and into the sea where the water covered him over. 
When the others of the village came up there at last, I told them that the old bones of Thomas had done it. Had clutched Paddy closer and thrust him over. Oh, Father Donahue, listen. It was I that day that final push had sent the evil son of mine to his death. Thomas tried and failed before he had his last measure of revenge. So I did it, Father. I, I gave Paddy to my life. And I gave him death. Is there any forgiveness in heaven for what I did? 